Today's readings are Joshua chapter 5, 9 through 12, and 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21. They can be found on pages 202 and 1067 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as up on the screen. This is God's word. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the fourteenth day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. Second Corinthians five sixteen through 21 So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of the Lord. I invite you to pray with me as we look at this passage. Our God of grace. We come into this place from different experiences this week in different places in our lives, different journeys. Some of us come having had just such an intense week of either work or family drama, Um, maybe unexpected events in our lives. Um, We maybe haven't even had a chance to take a breath. Others of us come and... um, You know, we might come with joy or excitement about something new. We might come feeling particularly close to you because of what has happened recently in our lives. And others of us come maybe doubting, doubting whether we should be here at all, or just bringing so many questions and desiring to to have faith, desiring to... To desiring to desire you, <laughs> um, and yet so many things seem to stand in the way. And from 
come and we're, we're all in the same boat, we're all more of a mess than we care to admit. And um, we're more broken in our outlook in life and in our approach towards others than we, than we have even often grappled with ourselves. And yet, the message that we approach now that we look towards is the message of grace that says we're more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dreamed we don't dare to dream about the kind of love that you offer us, even though you know about our broken state, about our failed devotion, and about the worst sides of ourselves. You know about it, and you choose to move towards us. And would you do that in this time in a special way for each of us as we listen for your voice, and as we hear from a grace that has the power to transform and propel us into lives of sacrificial service? So we ask for you to be powerful in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you ever, have you ever needed reconciliation in a relationship? <laughs> um, I know I do, because, you know, I'm married. And that's just a part of living in such close quarters in a committed relationship with someone is that there's frequent needs to be reconciled. In some ways, I just want to jump right to that. I mean, some of you love charming, witty uh, sermon openings, and others of you are like, just get to the point. So for those of you who, this is your special day for those of you who say, just get to the point. Um, see what I did there? I was even a little bit witty. Without an introduction, um, the Apostle Paul, as he writes this Corinthian church, which he was the minister who they, they probably wouldn't think of him as a minister like we do, but he was this guy who came in with this teaching, this philosophy, this declaration about Jesus into this town. And the town, uh, the city, really of Corinth, was a was was um, just sort of this cutting edge port town where there were it was a hub of bustling culture, experimental culture. People who, to be Corinthian was to be kind of um, very free and experiential in trying out and dabbling in new things. Um, especially in literature, to be Corinthian related to like a description of you're very free with your sexuality. You know, you're very experimental and explore, you explore um, so that you know, so this is this like this cutting edge town city that probably would have a lot of connections to modern cities today. And Paul comes in to these very secular people and and has this message, and a, and a church begins. Okay, so there's he's the guy who came in and and, and rallied, and, and some people believed, and it was kind of amazing, and it was a very mixed church of rich and poor and different ethnic backgrounds. And then at some point he had to leave, and so now we're in this phase when we read this from 2 Corinthians. We're in the phase of his distance, and he's an in-being distance, relational distance has set in. And so there's even, you know, they're writing letters, but there's even some falling out that's happening. Um, he's hearing about reports about how they're behaving as a community, and it kind of conflicts with some of the ways he, he taught them and kind of set them on a certain course. They don't really like him writing in with these suggestions, of course, and so they're, now they're starting to doubt his leadership, and they're starting to kind of say, well, is Paul really the guy, and is he really that big of a deal? And 
So they're starting to have some estrangement, some need, in a sense, for reconciliation between. There's a bit of a falling out developing as Paul is writing from afar. And he's not afraid, as he is writing this letter then, to, um, I don't know how much of it's, if you'd say it's tongue-in-cheek, but he's not afraid to dive into the theological reality of our reconciliation with God. And that's what we see just staring at us. You don't have to be a Bible scholar um, by any stretch to see in these verses, verses uh, 18, 19, 20, what the theme is. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to this message of reconciliation. I implore you in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So you get the theme, reconciliation with God. And to really understand it, to apply it, to live into it, and to grasp what this really strong image of of how our relationship with God works, to get it, you need to look at a few different angles. And the first is your alienation. The three go like this, your alienation, your your, um, homecoming, and then third, your ministry. Let's look at your alienation. Um, the Bible would, would want you to know that you are es- naturally estranged from God. You're alienated from God. Now, if someone, um, you, this is not the common standard belief that we have, um, especially today. This isn't widely accepted. Oh, yeah, I'm alienated from God. If someone came up to you and said, you're alienated from God, you know, what would you, how would you react? You'd pro- you might say something like, you're alienated from your meds, all right? <laughs> Um, the Bible truthfully wants you to know and works on this theme. It wants you to understand that you are actively messing up your relationship with God. That's the default drive that we all find ourselves in without God's intervention. We naturally create estrangement. Another way to put it is um, you, when you go on autopilot, spiritually speaking, you always, for some reason, set the coordinates in the exact opposite direction of God. And that's just where we find ourselves. Someone says, Don't be so, why are you so negative? Come on. I'm, I try to be a good person. I've got, really, you know, I've got good intentions. I don't, I don't buy this religious hogwash that says, you know, I'm a, I'm a terrible person. I have to feel terrible about myself. My heart's in the right place. I think my direction is fine. I'm well-intentioned. We, you know, we just can't, for some reason we don't like this entry point. And this is really an entry point for the Christian faith. It's a starting point. And for some reason we bristle against it. We don't like it. And the Bible says, despite all of your charitable, charitable um, contributions of serving the poor, your great intentions, all the stuff that you've done, you'll find if you live long enough, especially your life will give you proof of it. You'll actually experience it. But if you haven't yet, the Bible wants to suggest and plant the seed that you, you will have and you will increasingly experience an aching alienation from not being connected and not being right with God. Until And you'll experience that until you have been convinced and assured that you're reconciled with God. I always think anything that you find uh, prayed through the Psalms. You know about the Psalms? There's 150 of them. 
They're kind of in the middle of the Bible, a little bit closer to the beginning. Listen to a few verses from some different psalms. Psalm 60, verse 1. You have rejected us, God, and burst upon us. You have been angry. Now restore us. It's the longing for restoration in your relationship with God. Psalm 53, verse 6. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When God restores his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Longing for restoration. Longing for reunion. And then here's, here's an here's a intense expression of alienation from God. Psalm 22, verse 1 and 2. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Have you gotten in touch with that aching of alienation? With that, that's a part of your spiritual story with God. That's the first part in understanding your reconciliation with God is to know that you've been alienated. So secondly, let's think about something a little happier. The home, your homecoming. You're coming home with God. Um, and if you think about it, if you don't, you can see how these two tie together. If you don't think you're alienated from God, then your reconciliation with God is kind of a, is like drinking watered-down decaf coffee or something. It's just not a very strong concept. Reconciled with God, so what? It wasn't I, aren't I always good with God? So the difference of a Christian, though, is that, and this really is the difference of Christianity and, and all other religious approaches, is that there's confidence out of the starting gates. There's confidence that you've been welcomed back into a relationship with God. Um, that your relationship with God has been repaired. And so verse 18 of 2 Corinthians that we are reading, verse 18 says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God reconciled us to himself through Christ. We've been welcomed home. It's something God has done, not something we can do. We don't really like this. We prefer a, an approach. We prefer a plan with God that says, um, here's some things you can do. Um, to work your way into God's good graces. Here's a plan you can have to better yourself so that you can find that you are acceptable and that you can, in a sense, reconcile yourself to God. But you notice in the Bible, it's always about God reconciling himself to us. He does all the work. He makes it happen to bring us home. And it really is like a homecoming. I was spending in, in February, there were just a weird month where I spent... I think three or four different days where I went into my hometown of Ripon, which is an hour south down Highway 99. And it also happened to be the season which all the almond trees are full of their blossoms and there's a parade and there's a festival all orienting around these trees and their fruit, you know. And So it was just a, it was just a, a month of a lot of these visits included those, those kind of times where you just sit and you say, 
wow, this is, this is the old home place. You know, this is, there's, there's just things here that, that, are, that exist nowhere else. Do you have, a, you have a place like that in your life? Do, or maybe even you have college friends that are like that for you when you see them or when you're back with them or you have a, you have a location somewhere that is like this or, or maybe a workplace, maybe even, you know, maybe your workplace is just one, or, or in a time you worked with people and it was just like in the office, you know the show, The Office, where it's like Jim and Pam and Phyllis and all, you know, they're in Mike. And so, you know, maybe it's like that. Maybe not. A lot of you are like, work? No, uh-uh. But, but, you know, maybe a couple people. And then, but the rest of us, maybe there's a place or some people. Maybe not everyone has that. But there's that sense of like, here's my people. Um, my, I have stories that are here. There's rich history here. There's a part of me here. Even the smells we were meeting up and carpooling through Ripon to go to our leadership retreat in the mountains and Lori was driving and she was out where she grew up around there too and she said, let's cut through this orchard and she said, you smell those blossoms, it's a subtle smell and, and I rolled down my window and I did, I smelled it and all these um, memories came back. Um, even the smells of the hometown, it was just brought me right back to these different pictures and memories and people now imagine that um, before I had left Ripon, which was, I was, I think I was about 18 when I left Ripon, um, imagine that I had committed some pretty notorious crimes. Um, it's a little bit fun for me to imagine what that would have been like, but um, I didn't. But um, imagine I did, and that, um, you know, that to return home was going to mean trouble for me. I am not going to return, and there's no way I'm going to set foot in that town. There's a price on my head. There's, um, you know, and there is, the people don't want me there. I have relationships that just have been, the bridges have been severely burned. Um, I have a reputation that is negative. And the mayor of the town and the police chief and all the rest, well, they would love for me to set foot in that town because they would bring justice right down on my head the second I set my foot in that town. Now, from what I, from what I, from talking to some people, that is exactly how they view um, their relationship with God. That is, that's exactly how some people view the idea of how God might be thinking of me or what it might mean for me to step foot into a church or to actually begin to buy into this stuff or to pursue baptism. or to, There is just this weighty sense of God has it in for me or... Um, I'm not right with God or there's just a thousand unpleasant things that are going to have to happen before I can be made right with God. Maybe some people you've talked to are in that kind of place, neighbors that you have, or maybe you you feel a little bit like you're in that place right now. You just can't see your relationship with God um, any other way. You're stuck with this picture. And if so, I want you to focus on in this passage, verses 17 and 21, which says, and this, this, is the, this is regularly what the gospel does for us. It declares it as in this kind of finished sense about our reconciliation with God. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. In many ways, it's, it's that automatic. It's that simple in returning home to God. Verse 21 says something absolutely unbelievable in the scope of our relationship with God and in the story of how alienated we have and estranged we have made ourselves with God. It says something absolutely ridiculous and unbelievable. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I talk about that as being extremely unbelievable and and just amazing because it's just this switch. God's way of bringing us home just involves this switcheroonie where we just get to become completely out of our own doing, become righteous in God's presence again through what Jesus has done. And if you want to even dig a little further into how that happens, it's through his son Jesus, that's the emphasis, we are in Christ, then we are new, because Jesus went all the way to the very logical end point of alienation. So that when he is on the cross, what psalm does he voice? But he voices a psalm of alienation and says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So this switch of Jesus becomes sin for us. He, the alienation that you might imagine might exist between you and God that, and that he is like that mayor of a town that wants to you know, bring justice down on your head as soon as you step foot in his town. That all, there's no way that's how God is towards you because he's already put all the justice on Jesus' head. And that's why Jesus cries out in full alienation from the Father. He's forsaken. Where are you? You're so far from me, God. The alienation we fear most and that we have a little inkling in a sense that we might deserve, we might have coming to us, has already been laid on Jesus himself. That's good news, friends. Even though you'll doubt it every day, that's our nature is we doubt that it can actually work like that. That's actually how it is. That's the homecoming of the Christian. It's time to come home. You have been reconciled. It is done. And you might, I know, I know know you feel like, you know, but I'm not fully rehabilitated. (laughs) Yes, join the club, right? Reconciled, sure, not fully rehabilitated, but there's a new reality that you can be confident of. You're welcomed home into the embrace of the one who owns the house. And so the only logical thing next to do is to do what Paul's talking about here and to embrace what he calls the ministry of reconciliation. So first we have alienation, then we have homecoming, but we also have your ministry. In verse 19a, or at the beginning of 19 through 20, Um, that God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. This actually, um, 2 Corinthians is a a book of the Bible that for me... um, I've never really worked carefully through all of it in a sermon series. I, I have... I don't have a lot of kind of hooks for it mentally. This is my one. This is the one thing in my head that is unique and that, that I know I could tell you if you said, what's the book about 2 Corinthians? I'd say, well, there's that part about the ministry of reconciliation. It's just kind of, it's so intriguing to me, this idea of God making his appeal through us and we are his, the ambassadors of reconciliation. It's fascinating to me. I think it's an amazing concept to consider that the natural outcome of a child of God, a reconciled child of God, is to long for everyone you know to also experience that 
that reconciliation. You know, once you've experienced, once you've actually experienced this assurance and this confidence that you have a dependable, warm, secure relationship with God, have you experienced that? Once you do, you, you get this sweet spot for other estranged souls. Um, I, I can't say that I'm... Um, I mean, I definitely feel like, yeah, I, I would love to embody that more. I would love to stand up here and say, look at my life. I'm a great model for it. I don't know that I'm, I'm there yet by any stretch. I do have one story, though, that's insightful, I think, for it. Is there was, um, I once was playing basketball with this group at the YMCA, um, some, some regulars that would play, and, um, and somebody just, some guy started coming that nobody knew, and he was just really hard to get along with. You know, it seemed like he was a master at breaking all of the unwritten rules of, like, code of conduct when you play a pickup game of basketball. And pretty much everyone was just over it and just, you know, it was like, this guy's ruining it for everybody. Um, and, you know, he was chippy, and he would shoot crazy shots, but then bark orders at his teammates right afterwards about what they were doing wrong. Um, it was just no fun. And um, I, w- you know, I was getting kind of worked up about it and um, thinking about literally like, well, I think if we, I think if we, you know, some of the things he's doing are really over the line. Like, w- I think we could get him kicked out of here was sort of my, was my thinking. I remember at some point having this thought, like just all of a sudden I, s- I switch and I just, for some reason, I have no idea why, but I, I, I thought about him and I thought, I just had this different picture. I thought, what if, what if this is someone who, has, has just never experienced much love from people in their life in the past. And, and I, I got this picture of like, what if? This is one of those things that, you know, as a Christian, I'm supposed to kind of imagine. This guy, what if he um, somehow, you know, connected with God? And maybe for the first time, you know, I don't know. I just kind of pictured this thing. It's hard to put words to it. But maybe he, for the first time, started to believed that he was loved and, and maybe was surrounded by others who believed the same and maybe he connected with Jesus for the first time in, in a real meaningful way. Um, anyway, I just started to pick, however you put words to it, I started to picture like what if kind of on a spiritual level something happened with this guy and that actually, what if you could be a part of his journey and see pr- this progress where like he gets this softened heart and all those incredibly rough and sharp edges just became softened and what if that was kind of a journey that's ahead for him? I mean, I don't know why I had that. And I'm not trying to say, like, you look at me that I had this great moment. Because I'm not even going to say I necessarily did anything about it. But I had a moment. I had at least a moment where I, I pictured, like, a different path for him. In this passage, did you notice one of the first things it talks about is viewing people from a worldly point of view? So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. And I think that that relates to what happens to people who are reconciled with God. And I think that relates to that switch that I just was describing that I made with somebody. Do you have someone in your life? Do you have anyone in your life that maybe there's a switch? There's like a, okay, what if I look through this through the lens of people getting reconciled amidst their estrangement from God? How does that start to change kind of how you view people? Um, there's a slide, actually, that I don't know if we can get it up, but it basically describes this beyond-the-horizon vision that City Life Church has 
um, that came out of our recent leadership retreat. In the next five years, people in Sacramento will desire their own spiritual formation by seeing the gospel's credibility in the lives and community of City Life Church. You can kind of see how it's on the heart of City Life to have a ministry of reconciliation. Um, that people, and do those people have names? Are they maybe people that you know? People that are in your life that by seeing something in this community or maybe even possibly in your life might start to be intrigued about their own spiritual formation, their own connection to God. City Life Church is not just about trying to grow personally deeper and have each of us grow a little deeper. It's also about growing wider with inner and outer growth happening in a way that's contagious and contains more credibility so that God is making his appeal through us. Um, Think about your life for a second. Think about people in your life, contexts in which you live, I wonder if it's a time in your life where just thinking about, um, thinking kind of through the mental list of the different places you have a lot of interactions with people, maybe it's neighbors, maybe it's work, maybe it's family, and maybe it's friends. Are there one or two or three people that come to mind for you in which maybe a switch can happen in, in this season, maybe in the next month, maybe from now till Easter, which is March 27. Maybe even you want to write a name or two down and begin praying for them. And praying about their, I mean, you know, like I said at the beginning of the sermon, you don't walk up to somebody and say, you're alienated from God, <laughs> right? But maybe there's a way in which even, through, even just your focused energy towards your own life and your own reconciliation to God being potent and how it might express itself in kindness and love and other actions towards people so that they might be reunited with God. I want to finish with a a news story from late in the year of 2015, in October. There's a story about all these people who um, had two days, people from South Korea let into North Korea to be reunited with family members and loved ones that they haven't seen in, um, I think it's 65 years. Um, And so this is, let me just read from it. After being apart for 65 years, 83-year-old Oh In-Sei reaches for his wife, Lee Soon-Kyu, during the separated family reunion meeting at Diamond Mountain Resort in North Korea. Dozens of families were reunited this week at a rare event. O, uh, according to the Associated Press, O was 17 and Lee was 19 when they married in 1949. Just seven months later, they were separated during the war. Lee was reportedly pregnant with their son, Jang Kyun, at the time. During their meeting, O told his wife that he's never stopped thinking about her. Lee, who never remarried, shared a similar sentiment with her husband. I can't tell you how much I missed you, she said, according to the Cindy Morning Herald. I have wept so much thinking of us that there are no tears left in me. There's the, there's the picture. 
Can you imagine that reunion? Now, the sad part of this story is that it was a two-day event. Get back on the train and go. Go home, you know, ostensibly to never see each other again. The couple, one of, the, one of them said to the other, let's meet again in the afterlife. In one poignant photo, photograph, that's the next one on the screen, 68-year-old Lee Jong-suk is pictured wiping the tears of her North Korean father. According to the Associated Press, the 88-year-old dad was speechless as he gazed at his daughter. He wept in silence as his daughter touched his face. That is a powerful picture. That's a powerful reunion. Um, and then knowing from the story that, yeah, and then, it, and then they had to break up and go home again. When you read a story like that and you see pictures like that, I think that they, if there was a button to push at the end of the article that said, here's how you can help keep them reunited and get them back, I think there, would, there could instantaneously, they could raise millions with just how the, what this article how it catches you, right? The sense of what can I do? That's exactly, in a sense, what this ministry of reconciliation that Paul is talking about. Um, what can I do? What, what can I do? Oh my goodness. To help others reconnect with God. Let's pray together. God, I pray that um, as we explore our own reconciliation with you each day through our prayers, through reading of scripture, through community with others, I pray that you deepen our sense of what we have with you, deepen our sense of what we have been reconciled from and the sense of estrangement and alienation, and then also develop in us an urgency to view others through the same lens and to find ways to pray and to love and to serve those around us with a love that only comes from you. A kind of a love that can overlook um, behaviors that are extremely off-putting. The kind of love that can overlook even um, overt acts of injustice. The kind of love that can overlook um, being wronged in relationships um, because we've experienced how you have returned to us and brought us home despite um, our insistence on running away from you and wronging you. We pray that this love in us may grow strong and it may be contagious and that we may see new people um, in our lives and in this church come home and to express the joy of being um, reconciled with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.